Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 29, Writing Law Enforcement Characters, an interview with Janice Cantori, coming to you on Thursday, February 22nd, 2018. If you write any characters who work in law enforcement, whether it's a police officer or a sheriff's deputy or even a crime scene investigator or a coroner, there will be some useful tips for you in this interview with Janice. She's a former police officer turned novelist, and she's one of the first people I ask whenever I have questions on whether or not I wrote something correctly. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is Janice Cantori, a retired police officer. Janice writes suspense novels designed to keep readers engrossed and leave them inspired. Today, we're going to talk about adding law enforcement characters into our novels. Welcome, Janice. Hi, Kitty. Nice to be with you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm always excited to talk to you about this stuff because I always feel like I have a better shot at not having somebody throw my book against the wall if I can ask you whether or not I did something right or wrong. <laughs> now, you have quite a bit of uh, law enforcement experience, so why don't you just, we'll get started by just figuring out a little bit more about you. Tell us about what you've done, your career, um, the sorts of things that you know about, and then maybe what sorts of things that you know that you need to research yourself. Okay. Um, I was a police officer with the city of Long Beach in California for about 22 years. Um, 16 of those years I was in uniform and um, six of those years I was um, in an administrative position. Um, so I have a little bit of experience, and um, when I write my novels, um, I try to draw from that. I worked patrol for several years. I worked um, detectives for several years. I did stuff. The la my last position was working in training where I wrote policy and training. And so I have a broad spectrum of experience, and I try to make sure that that realism comes through in all the novels um, that I write. Um, procedure, um, characters, how, they'll, how, how they talk and react. I always am pulling back and trying to dig from my memory so that everything that I put down in a novel is realistic and true to how a police officer, officer would act and behave. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really like about your books is that um, it doesn't feel like somebody did a ton of research and then bogged down the story by telling me all about everything they learned. It always feels like these are just people with these interesting jobs that have to do with, uh, you know, how the story's going to go. Now, you spent your entire career in California. I'm, uh, this is partially, okay, I was like, this is partially question. Uh, you spent your entire career in, in, in California, but... Yes. But your books are set um, both in California and in Oregon. Is that right? Yes. So how did you figure out differences or what sorts of things would be different about how a police officer would behave or what the rules would be for them? Well, really, there's not a lot of um, difference, um, only because no matter what state you're in as an officer, you're going to be dealing with the same, mostly the same kind of issues. There's going to be drugs. There's going to be... Um, auto theft, there's going to be um, assaults, and the basic foundation of police work training in the academy is officer safety. That is the basic foundation from which everything, everything 
branches out. So what's going to keep an officer safe in California is going to keep an officer safe in Oregon. Okay. It's always in the back of my mind. And, and added to that, the basic premise of investigations is going to be the same. If you're going to do a good, clean investigation in California, most likely the same exact steps are going to make the investigation in Oregon clean and correct. So um, there are certain things. Now, there's going to be different laws um, to deal with in Oregon. Um, in California, uh, I don't know anybody who's familiar with the California Penal Code knows it's a huge, thick book. And there's a lot that you have to be familiar with. And if you don't aren't familiar with it, you have to at least know how to find it. <laughs> right. Now, I haven't taken the time to dig as deep into the Oregon Penal Code as I did in the California Penal Code. So I know there are some differences, but that just means I try to stay away from being extremely specific. Ah. Just try to, the general feel of, of an investigation or an incident or, you know, whatever. It's going to be pretty much, it's going to be very similar. Okay. So for instance, all of my books are set in Michigan. Um, and if I were asking you or some of my other friends who all just happen to be uh, in law enforcement in California, then I could use most of the generalities of advice that people gave me and still have my books seem accurate in Michigan? Yes, you could. The, the biggest difference is the things that um, are going to throw people off or take them out of the story is, for example, in, um, in New York, which has the largest police force in the country, um, they divide their city up into precincts. So you have okay. all these different precincts. Whereas in California, at least where I worked, um, our, they were called stations. They weren't precincts. In okay. California, in, in Long Beach, we only had four of them. So there were four stations. We called them substations. When I first was hired, we only had one station and all the officers met in one room downtown Long Beach and deployed from that one station. But by the time I retired, there were four, um, east, northwest, and then south, which was the downtown. So, so if, if I was writing about Long Beach and I started calling, um, you know, at the south precinct or the north precinct, well, that's not the terminology we use. Same for Michigan. I'm pretty sure um, you might have constables still back there. Um, and you might have a little bit different way of, of notating um, the station or the wherever the police deploy from. So, so you'd have to make sure that those um, state-specific tags uh, stay. I mean, right. you wouldn't want to call them a precinct or a station if that's not the terminology they use. Okay, right. Yeah, and also, I'm not sure... And, and that's the interesting thing about not being sure. Like, for instance, um, I have a friend who works in the California Highway Patrol, and he's told me, you know, different things about what he does in his job. But even though from a logic perspective, I would go, oh, well, we don't have Michigan Highway Patrol. We have Michigan State Police. But that doesn't mean that they would do the same job. So you would still have to do a little research to make sure you didn't have the wrong kind of officer doing a certain job or following up on a certain thing. Is that right? Well, I think Michigan State Police is the same as the California Highway Patrol officer, though. Um, because but it may not be the same in Idaho or North Dakota or something, right? So you should at least check? 
Well, you should check, trying to figure out what do we need to check? <laughs> well, so here's the thing you have to, that's another, um, that's another terminology thing. Okay. California highway patrol, Oregon state police, Michigan state police, they are responsible for the entire state. Okay. So, so, um, anything on the highway, state highways, um, anything to do with the state legislature, they generally are the, um, people that take care of the security of like the governor. Oh. Or, you know, those people, um, if there's a threat against like, um, uh, if there's a threat against the governor, uh, the state police are going to be the ones that are going to do the investigation and, 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 um, arrest that person. So, and that's going to be the same, I would imagine in any state. Mm -hmm. uh, so, whereas when you break down to the next, the next, um, category you would have would be the sheriff. Now a sheriff, while the highway patrol or the state officer has jurisdiction over the entire state, the sheriff's responsibility is a certain county. Right. So, I don't know. There's probably a thousand counties in California. I don't know how many there are in, um, in Michigan, but so, so you'd have a sheriff for each separate county and the sheriff's responsibilities um, are the care and custodies of prisoners who are in custody in their jails okay sheriffs run the jails um and, and and then then the state the state officers are over the state prisons so there's county jails and state prisons okay so like in california it's the california department of corrections that deals with all the prisons but in the individual counties the sheriffs deal with the jails like um, and then, and then to break it down further, you have city police, municipal agencies, what LAPD, um, Long Beach PD, they're responsible for that city and they will have a city jail. So somebody arrested in Long Beach on a DUI will be processed in the city jail. If they can't bail out, they'll be sent to a county facility. If they've done something horrible, like they killed somebody while they were driving drunk and they're convicted of, um, that charge, then they would be sent to a state prison to serve out their time if it's a felony offense. Okay. I don't know, maybe I'm getting too technical. No, this is helpful. Kind of the, the difference between the state police or highway patrol, whatever the term is used, they're responsible for the state highways, for, for the basic state infrastructure, and then you go down to the county and then the city. Um, now, in some states where um, I know here in Oregon, there's a lot of mutual aid between the state police and the sheriffs and city police because the agencies are smaller and the, they're, they need the help. They, everyone needs to work together. Whereas, you know, LAPD is huge and they're not often gonna ask for help from anybody unless it's a huge issue, you know, like the riots or something like that. And, right. And then you'll have um, like really small jurisdictions. I don't know if you watch, um, Oh, I can't think of the name of that show. Longmire? Longmire, yeah. I love that show. <laughs> yeah, see, it's a much smaller, it's a smaller population. He's a sheriff, but he pretty much does everything. I don't think there's any city cops in that. I haven't watched it enough. Yeah. But I think his, um, his office is pretty, but that's kind of typical. So he's got to do everything. Yeah. And the sheriffs are also, county sheriffs are also the coroners. So. Really? Yeah, they will handle... Um, generally the coroner's responsibilities goes to the sheriff. 
if the if the county isn't large enough populated enough to have its own coroner you mean well it well it depends like if it's a small county maybe they would use the coroner in the next county but it would the coroner would still be under the jurisdiction of the sheriff oh i see i thought you were saying the sheriff was the coroner but you're saying the coroner is under the jurisdiction oh, yeah, of the sheriff. right yeah i'm sorry yeah like okay. here, here in um oregon yeah it's a county county coroner okay Wow, this is so interesting. Uh, because when I was a teenager, I had some kind of, you know, teen, teen job program thing where uh, I worked for the sheriff's department in my little town of 2000. And there was probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 people max who worked there, not all of them being deputies, some people just being administrative. And mm -hmm. I think there was, I mean, I was under the impression there was only three or four police officers in our little town. So, and then I knew how many deputies were out on each patrol. And I'm thinking in an entire county, like you could be doing stuff wrong just about anywhere and never get caught in our little county. Well, and that's true. And a lot of times, um, I, like it, for example, in California, because um, LA County is huge. LA County probably has a population of 30 million people. So it's huge. Wow. But within LA County, you have LAPD, you have Long Beach PD, um, you have these different, and you have several municipal, other municipalities that have their own PDs. But then you have some municipalities that contract with the sheriffs. For example, Lakewood, um, the city of Lakewood, which bordered on Long Beach, didn't have its own police department, so they contracted with the sheriffs. So it was not unusual for us to um, assist them or, or to have them come into our city because they're right there. They're sheriff, but because, but they're still city police in that particular situation. So there's a lot of, there is crossover. There is crossover. Um, I think um, where you would get into trouble is where you would try and have your municipal police officer do things that you know, would be strictly up to the highway patrol or would be strictly up to the sheriffs, you know. I mean, there is room to bleed over. You just kind of have to be careful where you bleed. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, can you give us a, a few um, more specific errors that you've seen that kind of make you a little crazy? Most of the errors I see have to do with people watching too much TV and seeing how it's done in TV. Okay. Uh, you know, for example, um, when I worked in patrol, you know, everything starts, generally everything starts in patrol. You get the call. So you get called to a homicide and you've got a body there. Um, then your general responsibility is first to make sure, secure the scene, make sure um, if medics are needed, you call them. And um, if anyone's hurt, you see that they're taken care of. If there's just a body and there's no one around, you secure the scene, you look for evidence. Um, but it's not the patrol. This is, this is per, pertaining to Long Beach specifically, but I'm pretty sure it's the same anywhere. That's your responsibility right then and there. And then the investigation is done by the, um, by the detectives. So you know, you tell, you tell dispatch that you have a homicide and then you just basically hold down the fort till the detectives get there and they handle all that stuff. And a lot of times, um, you know, you'll see stuff on TV where it's the, um, 
the patrol officer running around doing all this stuff, grabbing people and slapping them around and getting confessions. And I don't know, that kind of stuff really bothers me because there's a procedure that needs to be followed to make sure that nothing is missed. That's right. why you follow a procedure. I don't know, that's just the way I think. Right. And um, a lot of times you see stuff on TV and it's like, oh my God, you know, if you did it that way, you're trampling this. I don't know. It just, yeah. it just, it just bothers me. And, yeah. uh, and another, another one that I see is like you have the lieutenant or the captain out doing all this investigation when in reality, those are administrative officers. They don't go out and investigate. It's the detectives. It's the people that, it's the rank and file that get out there and, um, and knock on doors and ask questions and pull people into interview, um, that kind of thing. And so I don't know, that's probably just my little, um, my little nag, but <laughs> I, really, I really think things should follow, follow the correct procedures. I, and you can make that exciting. It doesn't have to be boring. In real life, it's pretty boring, especially if you're a cop on a perimeter of a crime scene, it's pretty boring. Um, but um, you can write it, you can make it, interesting and you can stretch the bounds but I sometimes have a hard time when you um they ask you to suspend disbelief too much sometimes yeah uh, so, I don't know if that made sense I kind of yeah yeah you know even though um like I have never had anything to do with law enforcement except for this one you know three month summer teen job um I did go to a writer's conference where there is um a couple of detectives um one one was something else um it, one was a detective and one was something else anyway and it was like a crime scene investigation sort of thing mm -hmm. and they were saying this is exactly what would happen you would sign in you would have the booties you would have and they were like telling all these things and i'm like holy cow you never see all this stuff happen on tv and then once you know it and you watch a tv show where these police officers are just walking all over where somebody just got murdered i'm like how do you guys know you just didn't just walk through the evidence of what would have helped you find the murderer? <laughs> right, right. And also, and too, on TV, they, they really, um, they go all out with, you know, the cops have all the latest gadgets and all this stuff. And, you know, that's just not realistic, especially, um, I remember, and this could be different because this was a couple years ago, but I asked a couple, a friend of mine who was still working in police in Long Beach at the time, about these body cams and um and cameras on the front of the patrol cars and all that and um at that particular time they hadn't they didn't have them because of the expense of outfitting the entire department with everything it, it was just too much money they didn't have the budget that yeah. like you say that could be different now they could have everything now i'm not sure but um so you see all this stuff on tv and i don't know you know like the the fingerprint readers and the, just all these neato kino. And in reality, especially if you're writing a story about a small police department, you have to be cognizant of the fact that they're not going to have the resources to have all that stuff. Yeah. They're going to be doing things the old fashioned way. Um, and so you, then that's realistic for a small town with no budget and budgets. I mean, money's a big thing. You know, there aren't many places that, <clears throat> that have huge budgets. And also the fact that, and you have to think about where um, the lab, you know, the, these police shows always show these tricked out labs with all this kind of stuff. In reality, you know, most departments aren't going to have those tricked out labs because they don't, have, again, they don't have the money. 
And um, here in Oregon, you know, there's one, there's a couple of state labs where everything goes, um, you know, from wherever, from any part of the state. Another interesting thing about Oregon, which I thought was pretty awesome, is all the police officers in the state go to the same academy. They go oh. to the academy. Um, I think it's in Salem or Eugene. I forget now. And then they're hired by the different municipalities throughout the state, which is kind of cool because then you have a um, total, you know, they're all trained the same way. So everyone understands in California, uh, you know, LAPD has their own academy. Long Beach has its own academy. Um, some agencies send their people to their different county academies, like LA County sheriffs and Orange County sheriffs would train um, officers that would be hired by the different municipalities in the counties. So, um, so you have, you, you have a difference. Right. Um, but anyway, um, I, I kind of got off on a tangent there. No, this, this is really interesting because I'm thinking, well, so if you, uh, had characters in a novel who, um, had been trained in California, you can have conflict between them about having been trained differently, but you would need to know that say you were in Oregon and your characters were there, you'd need to know that they may have conflict about something else, but it wouldn't be about how they were trained if they were all trained the same. Right. Right. You know, you were talking about all the gadgets and stuff that, you know, people on TV have that real life police officers often don't have. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this show battle Creek. It's, um, a little town, it's not that little, but it's a town in the general Detroit area of Michigan. And of course, my, my husband and I like to say that if there's a new show that comes on and we love it, it'll get canceled after the first season. That's what happened with this one. <laughs> the first episode is so great because these two guys have to go, they, they find the guy they're looking for, they go to take him down, he's ginormous, so they try to tase him, the taser doesn't work. So, of course, now it's just this big physical, like these two regular sized guys trying to take down this huge guy. And it's just really funny. And then this, this, um, you know, perfect looking FBI guy who, you know, is the kind of guy who gets all the girls and everything um, comes to town and he seems to have access to everything. And so part of the conflict is that the one set of guys doesn't want to work with him because he's got everything. But the other people in the office are like, yeah, yeah, let's just go ask him because he'll have this tool and that tool and the whole thing. They make the conflict interesting, believable, funny, and just downright enjoyable. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, it's good when it works. You know, there are some things that work if you're, um, I used to love Castle. I mean, most, well, 99% of it was totally unbelievable, but the characters and the writing was sharp, so it made it enjoyable in spite of all the um, all the faux pas. Um, <laughs> but there's another program my um, roommate likes to write called Lethal Weapon, and I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I hate that show because really? it's so off the wall. Oh. I don't know. I guess I just can't watch it. Um, is anyway. that based on the movie series? It is, <clears throat> and um, yeah, I just it's just odd. Yeah. Okay. So most of us are not going to, most, most of us as writers um, have not come from a law enforcement background, but everybody's come from someplace that, that they have, you know, personal things and it makes them crazy when somebody says this or that. And you're like, that could never in a million years be true. So as writers in general, we know that our research needs to be as accurate as it can be. But a lot of times our question is, what are the questions I should be asking and where would I find the information? So when it comes to law enforcement types of situations, 
what's your suggestion on what questions should people be asking as they're writing scenes and where can they find this information do you think well i always tell people when people ask me they write me um emails you know the first thing i usually say is try and take a ride along with your local law enforcement agency most agencies will do ride-alongs if it's smaller agencies they might not um so you might have to um to travel but i mean i think it's worthwhile if you can get take a ride along with your local law enforcement agency and just get a taste for how things work and there are um and even the fbi does some kind of citizen um citizen I don't, it's not on. Yeah, they're like a community academy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They'll do, and a lot of, a lot of police departments will do, do a community academy. Long Beach does one. Um, do, I will always suggest that. And there's also, <clears throat> there's a big writers conference that's centered strictly around law enforcement. Um, the name of it is escaping me right now, but it's some kind of writers academy. Writers Police Academy. Um, I'll have you. I'll have you try to think of it, and I'll put it in the show notes for people. Okay, and um, I'm not sure, but it's several days where people. I've talked to writers who have taken that course, gone to that conference, and they really enjoyed it and learned a lot. And um, and so there's that. And <clears throat> there are several um, resources online. There's. Um, uh, law enforcement it's a magazine but it's an online magazine and they actually have um, videos of training tips for cops or they'll show videos oh. of um, people that officers that have been in situations and they'll show the video of like an officer being shot or officer shooting and different things you know that you might see on the news and they do critiques of those so I mean that's helpful at least for terminology and whatnot and um so there's a lot of resources out there you know depends on how realistic you you want to be there's also a good i think it's still on a and e did a good program called um live pd okay i found that interesting because they they jump back and forth from different agencies and they're actually in the car with the police officer and um they film the responses to calls responses to accidents etc etc and it's all it's all real it's not it's not staged and so that's kind of interesting okay um, so there are actually a lot of um a lot of resources out there um it's funny i was reading um a blog by somebody who um had a law enforcement background and was um venting about different mistakes that he saw in um in writing and one of the things he said was um he goes, I hate it when somebody uses a taser and it knocks the person out immediately. And then he just ran it, went on a rant about, you know, how tasers work and, and, and what they do and don't do. And that was so funny because that was something I just took for granted. I had just written a scene in my book about somebody being tasered. And it's like, you know, I didn't even think, but yeah, I know it doesn't knock people out. A lot of times it doesn't even work. And if you don't get the um, barbs in the right place, you know, all you're going to do is irritate somebody. Ah. So anyway, but there's little things like that that I take for granted sometimes and that other people might not really, really recognize. But yeah, tasers don't always work. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and when they do work, it's just briefly. Okay. Briefly, they just 
They cause a neuro, neuromuscular shutdown, lockup, or whatever you want to call it. And then as soon as the person comes out, a lot of times the fight's on again. So it's, it's the sort of thing that you're hoping that you can get them handcuffed before they... That's the idea. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your process. Like, let's just say we wanted to emulate, I really do like your books. And let's say I wanted to emulate how um, natural and smooth it all seems. It never seems to be an info dump about this is how it works so that you make sure that I understand it. And yet I do feel like I understand pretty much what's going on or over time, you know, I'm sure part of it is, is that I just trust that you're going to help me to understand as the story progresses. So how do you decide how much detail to put in? What's too little, what's too much? Um, you know, a lot of times it's my editor <laughs> to tell you the truth. Oh. I'll write scenes and I'll do stuff. Um, in the book that I just, that's in, the editing process right now one of the things that's going on here in this state is a big you know they're adjusting to the fact that um, marijuana is now legal in Oregon in Oregon recreational marijuana and it's okay. created a lot of law enforcement issues that are kind of off the wall and so I actually it's an interesting thing to me and I wanted and I worked it into the book and so um you know, I sent it off and when I got it back, you know, she had a lot of questions like, you, you know, she's in the Midwest and out there, you know, there's farm farms, big farms everywhere. And so you're used to draw, driving through, um, you know, fields of wheat, fields of corn or whatever. And um, here in Oregon, if you have a pot farm and it's visible, you have to have it surrounded by a fence. You can't, you can't oh. like open like a cornfield is. Oh. And, uh, Anyway, so she, you know, that was just something I just took for granted. Everything would be fenced off and, and driving around Oregon, you know, you see these fences everywhere. And of course, last year they were all brand new because all these new farms were coming in. And right. uh, anyway, so she had questions about that. And so I actually had to look up the laws and the restrictions and just to make sure that it was accurate without totally boring everybody. But she found it fascinating. And, um, and so little things like that, or um, um, I had, um, there was a shooting in one of my books and, and she had questions about, well, why would you do the Miranda here now and you didn't do it in this place before, you know? So, so a lot of times it's my editor that points stuff out and, or she'll say, I don't understand this. Why didn't they do, why didn't you do it this way? And then I'll kind of explain it to her and then make it more clear in the text. So, so one of the things that people uh, will want to do, either they're traditionally published and they're hoping that they have an editor that keeps them consistent, or if they're self-published, they need to make sure that they have an editor or somebody who's helping them to stay consistent in how they explain and do things. Right. Right. You know, and that's hard if you're, I'm a horrible editor, really. Uh, <laughs> The best I can do is try and get them a clean manuscript without a lot of typos. And that's, I try to get the story down without a lot of typos and make sure it's clean that way and then send it off to them. And so, yeah, I'm very fortunate and I will admit, be the first one to win. I'm very fortunate to have an editor who's very careful about that kind of stuff. And all I can really say is um, just be careful. It's not an info dump. Um, be careful that, you know, it, 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 
it does make sense. It's not, you're not trying to impress somebody because you just read this seven page article and now you're putting all these tidbits in. Um, right. Make sure it's plausible. Make sure it, um, and you know, and unfortunately I don't have, I don't have any off the cuff uh, suggestions for how to do that. Um, but well, probably have a, reader, have a reader you trust. Yeah. Yeah, probably it'd be great if you could find a, a friend or someone online who had either some experience with editing or some experience with, um, I've had um, people read just sections where like in my short story, Welcome to Loon Lake, I was totally making up this medical emergency for this five-year-old boy. And I had uh, five or six people in uh, various areas of, of medical fields, people who would at least be able to tell me this, this is how it would work, you know, with the ambulance or it wouldn't or the hospital or, or it wouldn't be that way. Just because I had no idea. I mean, I was just making up a story and I was like, I don't even know if this is how ambulances and hospitals work. So right. sometimes it can just be that, right? Right, right. You know, and I, I don't mind answering questions. I get questions a lot through my email. People can reach me from my website. They can email me and I have no problem answering questions. That's um, awesome. Yeah, and there's also, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Jordan Redwood, but um, she does, she was a nurse. She is a nurse, an emergency room nurse. And she writes really good books. Um, she writes for, um, oh, Love Inspired. She oh. does Love Inspired. And she will answer questions on her blog um, about hospital um, procedures and nurses oh. and and she does really neat, she does awesome, awesome, awesome work. So I don't know, you might plug in Jordan Redwood and see what you come up with. And if you have questions about medical stuff, see about getting it to her because you might even find an answer to one of her, from one of her blogs. Right. That's a great idea. Thanks for letting everybody know about that resource. Yeah. Awesome. Well, since you just offered, where can people find you online? Why don't you tell us uh, your website address? And if you're on Facebook or Twitter or any place else that you like to have people follow us, where, where can people find you? Uh, my website is JaniceCantori.com. Okay. And there's a spot on there where you can submit um, an email, a question. And I do my best to answer them all right away. Um, and then my Facebook is Janice Cantori Books. And I'm always get doing giveaways on my Facebook page, so I always encourage people, if they like free stuff, um, <laughs> to, to sign up to follow, because I do do um, giveaways as often as I can. Brilliant. So That's and, awesome. Okay, and then, so your books are pretty much out in print format, ebook format, and most or all of them are in audiobook? Just the last book is an audio book. Um, okay. Price is Shot came out in audio. And a lot of people have commented to me that they loved them. The woman doing the um, reading is just awesome. So, Well, I have to tell you that as soon as I uh, told my sister that you had another book out, she only has time really to listen to books. So she immediately went and bought the audio book of Crisis Shot, like literally while I was still telling her how to spell your name. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. This has been so helpful. Thank you so much. 
Well, thanks, Kitty. I always enjoy talking to you. You know that. Well, and I always enjoy talking to you and thinking, man, I got to do more research on this. Oh, wait, no, Janice is telling me I did it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Well, listen, um, thank you so much. I hope that uh, people uh, take advantage of your very kind offer to answer their emails. And uh, we'll see if there's um, a time that you can come back and tell us some more interesting things that will help us out with our law enforcement characters. Okay, Kitty. Thanks. Look forward to it.